Is the sex enough? Can I keep him with the sex? Will the sex be enough to keep him? Red flags go off in my mind going, ooh, look at the sexual shadows in full effect. Is it enough to keep him? If it is, if that's all that's there to keep him, this is my question to you. What kind of a relationship is it? What is up? Trigger-proof transmission. I am ready for you. I just hit go live. I have... Hold on. Let me wait. Let me just make sure that my... Letting me know this is working. I forgot to turn on my audio. Here we go. All right, let's start over. And action. What's up? How you doing? I'm having another um, inspiring moment to answer one of the questions in our Trigger Proof Facebook community. When I asked, I said, what are your biggest problems when it comes to sex and sexuality? Because really everybody gets into relationships because we want to connect. We want to exp express, give and receive love. And sex is kind of like this amazing opportunity for play and intimacy and connection. So why does it go so very wrong so often? Uh, why does it, why does, why does it, why is it so bad? Why does it cause so much heartache? Why does it cause so much pain? Um, we haven't figured out as a society, as a collective, what to do about our sexual energy. It's something that we are born with. We have, you know, genitalia, and it's got all these nerve endings. And we're born into these families with family systems, with adults who are completely unconscious of their sexual of how to um, express and channel our sexuality and our sexual energy in healthy ways. So without really getting to know the understanding of how to take this very powerful energy, which is your creative energy, this is your creativity, sexual energy, libido, this is this is the, 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 the elixir of life. It's what it's life force energy essentially what it is. It's your life force energy. It's something that's already inherent within all of us. But unfortunately, because of our conditioning, because of our wiring, because of our traumas and the pain that we experience, we then are consumed by our unconscious parts, the parts we can't see, the shadows of our reality, our insignificant, insecure parts take over and our sexual shadows are no different. These are the parts of ourselves that show up and utilize sexuality as and utilize ourselves as an objects and objectify ourselves and other people. And so this question came up and I just had a one of these moments where I just went into the dark, in, in, into kind of like this this 
train of thought and I thought it would be hopefully helpful for you if I kind of answered this question within the context of, uh, of a deeper conversation. So with your permission, if you allow, come, come on this magic carpet ride with me. And by the way, please let me know what comes up for you. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate. Send me a DM. Let's continue the conversation. Whatever comes up or questions that you have, um, you know, this is a very important topic for me. First of all, why am I talking about this? I'm a chiropractor. I'm not speaking to you from the positioning of a, um, you know, uh, uh, a PhD in sexuality, and uh, I haven't written any uh, journal articles about it. I'm not a conventionally trained uh, psychotherapist, counselor, anything like that. In fact, I'm quite the opposite. I'm very unconventional. And some people that might turn them off and other people who've tried conventional methods to change the narrative of their relationships hasn't really been adequate. It's been very slow moving. Those are the people who seem to migrate towards towards my work or people who have already done the conventional stuff, which is great. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying I'm a dude who's connected some dots. My background is in chiropractic, and I discovered um, very, very quickly within my career, probably within, within the first 10 years of my career, that people coming in with health issues are dealing with something far deeper. There's a, and within the 15 year mark, I started putting the pieces together that attachment trauma was at the helm. There was a breakdown in relationships. So relationships, they break down. And uh, as a relationship breaks down, uh, it impacts your body and your physiology because relational breakdowns in you know romantic partnerships from your 20s on, they hurt. They leave a stain on your nervous system, but they're not new. They're actually remnants. You can find remnants and evidence of these attachment traumas from your past in childhood. And we unconsciously have these attachment traumas from childhood. The experience of not feeling seen and heard and really held emotionally. We didn't get that experience. Uh, often. I'm not saying everybody, unless you had unicorn parents that were trauma informed and did their own kind of trauma healing work. Most of the time, um, I just got off a call with this this gentleman. Uh, I'll tell you about him in a moment. Most of the time, our unconscious parenting, pa unconscious parenting leads that trauma to get passed down to children without even knowing, right? And because of those complexes that are in, formed in childhood, our nervous systems get wired to start to take on these roles and take on these behavioral patterns. And unconsciously, we seek out partners that remind us that that remind us of these old woundings, and they kind of match the wounding of our childhood causing us to, us to relive them again and again and again. One, one woman had claimed that she was um, in a relationship with a recovering sex addict and it was great sex and it's just she's in a lot of pain right now and she can't deal with this anymore. And she looks back on all of her relationships. They all have the same pattern. She has this what's called an eroticized wound where she is turned on by emotionally unavailable men. It's not that she attracts them. She's attracted to them. There's a reason because 
unconsciously that sexual energy from an un incomplete kind of relational dynamic with mom and dad. We're bonded to that trauma. We're energetically bonded to the trauma, the hurt, the woundings of our past. So we unconsciously seek the same type of person who's going to elicit the exact same dynamic. Sounds fucked up, doesn't it? But that's exactly what happens. This is exactly what relationships are all about. They're here to help us observe them, to see them, so that we can, through the use of some intentional um, intentional practices, heal those wounds and transcend that bond that we have from our past and create a new relationship, create a new identity. And anything that we don't heal, we repeat. Any, it, we either evolve over it or we repeat. If you've ever experienced dating the same person, falling in the same pattern, you're now in the space of repeating. And then you're going to repeat it for the rest of your life, hoping that this new person is going to come in and save me. But then you end up repeating it unless we do the heroic thing and resolve those unconscious enmeshment patterns from our past and rise up and become a different person that's not that's now consciously choosing choosing from consciousness rather than choosing from our trauma that's essentially the background that i'm going to give you and if we don't heal those we're going to keep repeating them as a universe's kinky attempt to help us find what's incomplete and finally heal it within ourselves, essentially. It always comes back to ourselves. Every single client in our Cycle Breakers programs, every single person, every single student in our work, literally, no matter how old they are, no matter what gender, what religion, what part of the world, they all come back to the same thing. It's like, wow, it was me that I abandoned myself when my mother um, you know, wasn't holding me emotionally. I wasn't feeling held emotionally and I ended up abandoning myself so this question came in can the sex can I keep him with the sex will the sex keep him and I am going to invite you to whoever asked this question and I know her actually um, whoever asked this question uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna in the words of the great George, Dr. Jordan Peterson, why don't you start off by asking a different question? <laughs> That's my, why don't you start off by asking, you're, you're asking the wrong question. And that's my Jordan Peterson impersonation. It's terrible. It's horrible. But he kind of sounds like Kermit the Frog, you got to admit. Um, so can the sex keep him? So to answer that question, we got to understand our sexual shadows. And our sexual shadows are these characters, these archetypes that we employ because of the wounding from these childhood experiences. So if you, um, for example, if you had, you're a, you're a male and you had the, the experience where you felt emotionally responsible for being like a surrogate parent for your mother, and you got validated. You were the special mama's special little boy. You were validated for it. You develop this, this identity that gets validated for it. 
you also will develop this shadow part of you. Now, when you, let me say it, put it to you this way, when you are become objectified by an unconscious parent and used to meet their needs emotionally, sometimes sexually, unfortunately this happens from unconscious parents um, who are at the effect of their own trauma, you become objectified as a role to meet the needs of the parent, whether it's giving them narcissistic supply, meeting their needs emotionally and being a surrogate parent, validating them. You aren't getting your emotional needs met. You develop these shadow parts, these characters, these roles, these archetypes to try to get your needs met. Because deep down inside, the information that your system gets, gets, the wiring in your system gets, is that you're not lovable as you are. You must perform to work for love. You must be a certain way, be a certain thing, because you're not seen and you can't rest in love. You got to fucking work for it. Because who you are at your core isn't lovable. This is the message that your system gets as a child. Because your parent, emotionally unavailable, because they were in their own heads at the effect of their own trauma in what's called a dorsal state, dissociated, or because of the codependency of their mother, your mother and father, mom wasn't available. Dad was absent. Dad was gone. Mom was, mom was emotionally absent. So you became the rescuer to mom the surrogate to mom or the surrogate to dad. It could work either way. The point is any number of these combinations result in a same similar similar wound as the child feels unseen, not worthy of love, undeserving and must perform because you can't receive it for who you are. You got to play a role. Enter the sexual shadows. And a very common one, and that was a woman who asked the question, can the sex keep him, right? Can the sex keep him, right? Um, That is very manipulative. It's, I want that. And this is where predatory behavior comes in, unconsciously. And so men become sexual predators, for example, because of their own insecurity. They don't feel worthy of love for who they are. So they have to see something they want, but who they are isn't good enough. So you have to put a, you know, one of those, uh, you know, things in, in the person's drink to make them pass out to be able to have sex. So that's where predatory behavior in men, that's when there's rape and there's violence and there's all sorts of predatory behavior that comes because they feel like who they are is insignificant. Behind every predator is an insignificant kind of um, wounded little child, right? And then that's how they display it. And this is what happens with money. This is where we become predatory with money. I want that. I want money. And then sex and money become this addiction coming from a place of insecurity that we need to 
grab, predatory. And whenever there's predators, they look for prey and it works both ways. Okay. So for me, in my situation, my predatoriness came from my insecurity and I needed to become the player. A player, womanizer, is kind of a form of predatory sexual behavior. This is how I was dating. The whole goal was goal-oriented. It was about using whatever I could. In my case, I'm a chiropractor. I have money. Using money as a tool to get my needs met. That's how I displayed it in my unconscious behavior. Now, guess how that played out in the types of women that I would attract? Women who used sex as a means of predatory to get money. Do you see where I'm coming along with this? So, man, I'm just giving the the typical view, okay? So, I don't exclude anyone. I'm just giving a typical one. Men make a lot of money so that they can get their needs met sexually That's part of their wiring, part of the wiring of I'm not enough. So behind every super duper successful, super duper rich, often, I'm not saying all, because a lot of very wealthy people are not doing it from a place of an addiction and a wound. There is possibility to have wealth and prosperity and not be a fucking dick. That's a story that I used to tell, which kept me limited in my ability to receive prosperity and abundance and wealth and all of that stuff. This is a very important kind of tie-in to this conversation. So here it is, predatory using women, objectifying my own penis, my body, my self, my car, my status, so that I can prey on a woman sexually. It wasn't like predatory, like, sexual predatory, non-consensual. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> that's not. That's a whole other category of illness like the R. Kelly's and the Weinstein's, the Weinstein's and the Epstein's. That, let's just, uh, let's just assume they're psychopathic and that's just at the far end of the spectrum. Let's go a little bit more in, internal where that's the extreme. We're all something in the middle. <laughs> Between that and, you know, Mother Teresa. Let's just say that we're some, somewhere in between. Those are the extremes. In my, my case was, I'm going to learn everything I can to help people. As a chiropractor, I can use that and get, you know, validation. I'd walk into any seminar, any room. Hey, everybody, I'm going to adjust you. And then I became the famous person in the room. Or not, not the famous person, but the, the liked person in the room. All all with a foundation of insecurity, the wiring of insecurity of who I am is not enough. So I'm going to use whether I, I drive a nice car, whether I you know dress well, whether I'm a salsa dancer, whether I have a prestigious position or whatever, you know what I'm talking about. That becomes my bargaining chip so that I can find, you know, so that I can close the deal. Look at the language, closing the deal. You can also, salespeople, predatory. You've all experienced predatoriness. What I'm trying to say is we all have a predator inside of us. 
we all do, even if it means like, ooh, I want that cake. Uh, I'm going to eat. You know, I want that. I want that money. I want that girl. I want that guy. You know, it's predatory. This is kind of like a, you know, a, a law of the universe, predator and prey. The prey is what we go after. Now, I have this fantasy of being rich, being famous, having the hottest woman, which is typical Persian. Uh, most young men who, you know, are growing up have these fantasies. I just, it was hidden. I was just kind of like in the shadows, but let's just bring the shadows and the shame to light. And I met up with a woman who highly in her shadows with the kind of manipulator archetype, okay? Using sexuality to prey on finances. Can you see how we were a match made in heaven or hell? Okay. She used sex and I was the prey financially. I was the predator. She was the predator sexu sexually using sex to manipulate, preying on my me financially. I was the predator that was deep in my own fantasy. Oh, I, we're, well, let me talk about fantasy in just a moment. Um, predator you sexually getting all my sexual needs met using what I had, which was money to get those needs met a perfect unconscious transaction, transactional commodity type relationship. Welcome to most relationships on planet earth. Unconsciously we use one another to get our needs met. This is unfortunately how most of us do it. So when you have the question, when I had the question, is the sex enough? Can I keep him with the sex? Will the sex be enough to keep him? Red flags go off in my mind going, ooh, look at the sexual shadows in full effect. Is it enough to keep him? If it is, if that's all that's there to keep him, this is my question to you. What kind of a relationship is it? Make sure you subscribe. If you're, if it's just about the sex, you know, if it becomes like what kind of a person, well, if it's a sex addict and it's just because of the crazy sex, then that's a lot of pressure. And that means quite frankly, he might have a sexual kind of predatorness in his mind, which means guess what? <laughs> Sexting affairs. You've just consented to a life with sexting, affairs. I'm not saying that's bad for you. I'm, I'm saying if that's what you want, that's what you're choosing. Whatever we're not changing, we're choosing. Whatever we're not changing, we're choosing. Very important distinction. So what kind of a guy are you, would, would that be okay with, is my question to you. Is sex enough to keep him? Okay, if you know, the first thing is, why do you have such a low opinion of yourself? And the answer is the trauma bond, the bonds to your unresolved wounding that you're using a man to try to resolve. And when you feel unworthy, guess what you're going to use? You're going to go into your sexual shadows and become this vixen. Or in some cases, what I've heard, 
you're going to just be like, okay, so yeah, you want to have many partners. It's not what my heart wants. My heart doesn't want that. But sure, you can fuck anyone you want. I'm cool with it. Whatever it takes to keep you around. Sure, we can watch pornography and, and together and fantasize about other women because I know that you're a sex, sex addict and I, it's important for me to keep you at the cost of my own soul. Because God damn it, I cannot handle the pain and the fear of abandonment and that insignificance if I'm not performing and being whatever the fuck you want me to be. In other words, who do I have to be in order to keep you at the cost of my own soul? The question that you asked really brings that up. That's a huge red flag. I'd rather, I'd rather you ask the question, how do I get to a place where... I'm no longer worried that I have to be somebody else or perform to keep somebody interested in me. That's the real question I'm going to invite you to look at rather than the surface question, will the sex be enough to keep him? That's a really dangerous question. You don't want to be going there, right? Our sexual shadows. Mine was that player archetype. Hers was the manipulator archetype. Now, as the trauma bond enters, you now go through this volatile mix because deep down, the narcissist and the codependent or borderline in the extreme, borderline, there's codependency, then there's borderline, there's narcissist, and then NPD, narcissistic personality disorder. But we're all kind of like a variation of it. In my last relationship, this is what it was. And the sex, I was just like, deep down, I want it out. Deep down, the relationship in a trauma-bonded relationship, the narcissist is trying to individuate from his mother. So that's why it's like, why do we love bomb? Why do they discard and devalue? Why do the avoidance, why do they push it away? Deep down, they want love, then they push it away. Why? Be if you are finally ready to learn how to take all of these concepts that I share in my content, in my podcasts, in my YouTube videos, my Facebook lives, and learn how to integrate them and implement them through a series of neural exercises that teach you how to rewire your relationship with trauma, sex, and money, the things that are most argued about in relationship dynamics, you will absolutely love my upcoming three-day intensive. Click that link below. It's coming up very soon. It is ideal for people who are nerds for neuroscience and want to rewire this conditioning of undeserving, of prosperity, abundance, and healthy sexuality. If we don't get to the conditioning these unresolved faulty mechanisms play out in relational dynamics, creating insecure attachments. And unconsciously, we are pushing prosperity and healthy sexuality away because of this mechanism of undeserving. If you want to learn how to shift it from an embodied perspective, follow the link below and we'll see you at our next Rewire event coming really soon. Because he's, he's emotionally immature, is what I used to do. He's emotionally immature, and he is, 
is trying to finally work through his rage from his mother through you. And by breaking up with you or having affairs with you or sexting other women, he gets to exercise this ex experience of, of like freedom from the clutches of the emotional responsibility of his mother because you remind him of his mother. You just, just he can't please you. It's a repetition compulsion for him too. There's no pleasing somebody who's deep down empty and hollow at their core because they haven't done their healing work. So he, he, so by dating you, there's a no-win situation because he's never going to be able to rescue you. He's trying to rescue his mother through you. It never is going to work. He then gets frustrated, wants freedom from this and says, screw this, fuck this, I'm done. Or there's some sort of a, an incident that happens in the cycle of abuse or the trauma bond love bombing, then the de devaluing, and then the discarding is like, fuck this, I'm out of here. I'm going to leave my mother. It's like he thinks he's leaving you, but he's trying to leave his mother. And then within a few weeks to months or whatever, he realizes, oh shit, my abandonment wounds are done, are up. I'm going to love bomb the shit out of you. And I know all of your weaknesses to what to tell you so that so that I can get you back because you don't love yourself and you are just waiting for that moment. And when they return back to you, this isn't he, she, because this works the other way as well. The nice guy syndrome and then the narcissistic woman, same thing. Exactly. I don't exclude anyone. It's just you can flip them back and forth. It, it works exactly the same way both ways. The nice guys who are just the codependent and then the narcissistic bitch who just uses them and everything, like all of it, it's all here. It's just the majority of the people who are kind of wa watch my, my, my work uh, are, are women. Uh, so I'm just talking from their perspective. You're the ones who DM me and ask me these questions. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you out here. So what happens is why do you take them back? Well, because by taking them back, you get that hit of dopamine in the love bombing phase because finally I get to win back my father or mother. It's like, and the sex is incredible. And you go through, and this cycle is so addictive. It's so addictive because by getting you back, by fucking you, by betting you, by, by getting you to open your legs and, and, and it's a, the ultimate form of validation that I didn't receive when I was a child. And both of you are playing this game. And this is where the trauma bond happens. And this is exactly what's happening with me. I'm actually in the final stages of leaving with my trauma bond. I was, I'm married now. I finally figured all this out. I've rewired all of those uh, narratives that were in my body. It wasn't logic. I'm a smart guy, but that's why you can't logic your way out of this. You're like, okay, I'm never taking them back. Yeah, right. You're going to fucking take them back. We have one, one, one woman who keeps going through this cycle and, um, that I, that I know, and she knows it's not healthy, but she can't not take him back and mother him. Right. And she's living in a fantasy land. And so it was so confronting to see the truth. She didn't want to face it. And she's just like, okay, I can't handle the truth anymore. I'm just going to go be in my addiction. It's an addiction. To break free from trauma bonds, it, it doesn't happen overnight. And it's not done through a cognitive process. The ones who've taken, the ones who truly do it, like myself, 
had something unique and they saw it as a spiritual journey, that it was a path to healing and that they were committed to the path and they were committed to receiving guidance and they were committed to feeling all their feels and to resolving the actual trauma itself, not from the person, but from the, the root cause. That's what I did. I was like, shit, this trauma bond is toxic. I never want to experience this again. This is for people who never want to experience this again. So um, if, if you're one of those people who are, can relate to what I'm saying and you're like, okay, I don't want to do this again. I never want to do this again. This is for you. Some of you, I would say the majority who are listening are like, yeah, I'm not going to do anything. Like might, might plant a seed for later, but there's no way that you're going to be able to face that those shadows right now. It's too scary to face, you know, the fear of like your insignificance. So the trauma bond that you're in feels familiar. And even though it's toxic, that's what, that, that's what, that's what it is. For me, the police had to be involved. It got so volatile. I was being emotionally and verbally and mentally abused. And then I lost it and I actually slapped my ex. And that was like, how the fuck did we end up here? And that started me on a journey and I received some very powerful coaching and guidance to help me go, all right, I never want to have this happen again. Unfortunate that it had to get to a point where I actually, a chiropractor who helps people heal, actually had to lay hands on a person. Didn't have to, but it happened that way. I was unconscious in that moment. I was, you know, I couldn't handle the amount of like threats and you know, you just know how to push each other's buttons. And it never happened in, in any of my relationships before, but it happened in all of her relationships. And the sex was the glue that kept coming back. And I was like, okay, I'm leaving. And then with the sex, I was roped back in again and again and again. <laughs> and so now I'm in this place where I've healed it. And I, you know, I don't want to use the past tense in terms of healing because it's a lifelong thing. I'm acknowledging that these wounds were from childhood when I was two years old and I was separated from my mother, the same age as my son is, where I was separated from her for about three months. I imagine the impact on my son if he was not able to see Diana, my wife, for three months right now at the age of two. That would probably like devastate him. That's what I went through when I was two years old. And that imprint caused a wiring in my nervous system that had me showing up as a womanizer, player, because of my anger and rage towards my mother. I got to act it out with, you know, breaking women's hearts. That's essentially why it happened. So if you ever, ever wondered, a lot of the clients in our programs are women who dated guys like me or dating guys like me or married to guys like me. And they were like, I, I wanted to work with you because you've gone, you, you are, you, you were my ex, you were my ex. And so I want to understand and you've come through the other side. And so the thing I love about working and helping women who are dating guys like me is like, I, I don't judge them. I totally get them. And that actually amplifies your healing rather than going to a therapist, which they were finding of just being validated. They wanted to hear it from me. They wanted me to just give them feedback, hold up a mirror, hold up a reflection, you know, 
just how to make sure that you're getting an emotionally mature guy. And it's all in the wiring. It's all in your wiring. Your narrative with sex and money. Because, you know, like your wiring with money causes you and your, and your um, incompleteness with money causes you to become easy prey to a guy with money and who can love bomb the shit out of you and take you on these plane rides and just watch the Tinder swindler. <laughs> go on YouTube, uh, go on Netflix, watch the Tinder swindler. And I'm like, fuck, the guy was like, he didn't have any money, but he was posturing like he did with these private jets and just love bombing the shit out of it. And these poor women were easy prey, easy prey to the money and the romance and all the love bombing, easy prey. And so that's the male shadow, the, the, the unconscious dysfunctional wiring in that. And then the female shadow using sex as a form of manipulation, as a tool. Your vagina becomes the object. You objectify your own vagina because you're objectifying him. And me, I was, because I'm objective, I'm, I'm object, give me a second. Objectifying, <laughs> objectifying my penis, then women became objects and they're commodities. And you're not doing your, you're here to fulfill my fantasies. And because you're not doing it right, I'm so disappointed. It's not what I expected. I'm going to discard you, chuck you away and devalue you, discard you only to then start the cycle. And she's always willing to take you back because it's so addictive. That's why people who message on the groups, oh, run, what should I do with this? Everybody says the same thing. It's really funny. Just watch. Invariably, there's someone that's like, he's a narcissist, run. And then there's exclamation marks. And I'm like, do you realize that running is a trauma response? <laughs> Instead of running, unless you are in danger, my recommendation is to learn how to rewire the conditioning so that you're not making a choice from your trauma. You're actually making your choice from your highest, most evolved self. You either evolve or repeat. There's no, there's no choosing otherwise. You evolve or you repeat. So to answer your question, my dear, <laughs> will the sex keep him? Will the sex be enough to keep him? You're asking the wrong damn question. The real question I'm going to invite you to look at is, how do I rewire the conditioning that had me feeling like I'm just, uh, my vagina is just an object to use? So... I'm going to objectify a man to fill my needs because I haven't learned how to meet my own needs because of my conditioning. That's my invitation. So hopefully, let me know what landed for you. Let me know if you have any questions. Send me a DM. Tell me if you're ready to change this pattern, why you're ready. The people who, just to give you an idea what it's like working with me, the people who um, we want to see in our containers, my ideal person that really is able to heal from this and then have secure relationship, 
example, watch, watch my uh, title, uh, from anxious attachment to secure. I Im interview Lauren, meet Lauren. She was anxiously attached, totally trauma bonded. Now the guy is like moving in. He's like, they're looking for homes. They introduced, they, they, you know, they went to Queensland um, in Australia to, to meet each other's family. There was no wondering. There was no guessing. There was no, I have to work or perform for love. He literally showed up for her because she did the work. And so those people, you know, I, we've gotten really good at seeing and knowing who are the people who are going to get um, those results. And those are the people who are understanding that this is a spiritual journey and they're ready to walk the path to healing, whether they do it with me or not. That's one of the things we look for. Number two is willing to take responsibility, not blame, but willing to let go of the victim story. That's tough. That pretty much excludes about 90% of people out there, men and women. I'm not saying it's just women. There's tons of men that are just playing the victim as well. The red pill society, the manosphere, there are a bunch of men who got burned. And I know what it's like getting burned from a wound. I've been divorced once, several relationships that are failed later. And uh, now I'm in a situation where my ex is becoming the predator, financial predator. She can't use sex for it, but now using the legal system to, to, prey, uh, to, to prey on on me financially. But that's my karma. This is exactly my work in untangling from my trauma bond. This is exactly the necessary ste steps that I valiantly took on with open arms because... How do you win this game? What's a win? What do you consider a win? Getting revenge on the person? No, here's what I consider a win. Can I be, can I absolutely love who I'm with? Can I create great sex in a secure relationship where there's emotional safety with sexuality? That I'm not so drawn to the emotionally unavailable person or the or, or the broken person that I can fix and then feel great about myself as an eroticized wound, a repetition compulsion from my mother. Can I trust myself to be in a relationship container and be all in and not worry about, oh my gosh, am I going to be tempted by other women? Or am I worried that she's going to find my phone and find me sexting with other people? all happens on the other side of really taking it on as a spiritual practice, taking full responsibility, not blame, owning your part. People who are willing to own their part, not take, not, it's not victim blaming. That's the thing I get criticized more. You're victim blaming. No, I'm not. The person who, that person has their own shit. That's why they were a perfect match for you. Energetically, emotionally, you're a perfect match for that person. Perfect. The question is, are you willing to take ownership, not blame, for an accountability for the fruits in your garden? Or are you just going to play the victim and go, oh, but he was a narcissist. You're not the ideal client for this work. <laughs> and we really are able to spot them. I have mad compassion for you. That's great. Those of you who are ready to go and who, are, who place a very high value on their growth and their healing and their education and receiving guidance. People who are um, open to feedback and don't start with defensiveness. 
there are certain people that we've seen is like, as soon as you give them feedback, immediately when you show them a blind spot, immediately they go in denial. No, I don't. It's you. Uh, if that's you, this is not the right work. Those types of people are a fucking nightmare to work with. And that's why they say narcissists, you, they can't heal because they just want to be validated, right? There are places you can go, support groups to just validate your story and that's fine. But my, my invitation for you to look is after five years of saying your woe is me story and being validated, at what point are you ready to actually heal? The work that we do are for those who are beyond that. And, you know, ideally, if you're kind of in recovery and the 12 step type of thing, whatever, that that's not, you're not kind of emotionally resourced yet. Although this work is very similar, you know, healing from an addiction, because this is very much an addiction. It, we got to talk about recovery and addiction. Um, we're all addicts in recovery. But if you're in that moment of rock bottom where you have no inner resources, no friends, no money, no, then the 12 step is perfect for you because we've seen people in that situation. That's a good start. But once you've gotten to a place where you now are like back on your feet, you're able to make conscious decisions and now you're like, you're resourced, inner resource, and you can handle a little bit of pushback, a little challenging, uh, you know, to be challenged, have your story challenged. There's a journey, right? We go from victimhood to manifester, you know, you want to, if you're deep in that victimhood, there's 12 step, there's halfway houses, there's start there. And once you've had some level of kind of understanding and you're like stuck there and you're frustrated as, okay, so you've done the conventional stuff and you want to go unconventional and go deeper into the body. Those are the people. Let me know. Um, and rewire is what's coming up. Rewire trauma, sex, and money. Um, where those people is a three-day event where day one, we go delving, delving into trauma. Day two, we rewrite our money story. And uh, sorry, our sex story. And day three, we re rewrite our money story. They're all together. If I had done this five years ago, seven years ago, excuse me, because it's been taking me five years to get out of my trauma bond. I'm still, it's like that the one that just won't go away. And that's what I'm into untangling. 10 years ago, if I did this work, it would have saved me hundreds of thousands of dollars. So much aggravation, anxiety, depression. It's just, we don't, we get triggered and we don't know how to act and react to our wounds being activated with relationships, with sex, and with money. And so when you learn how to integrate those shadows, all of a sudden you see a red flag and you're able to move on. You're like, nah, it's not for me. You're able to start dating somebody and set boundaries right away and not people please. You're able to look at emotionally unavailable people, make a request, and if they're not gonna meet you halfway, you say peace out and you're able to leave before going three to four, investing three to four years and hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to fix them. or tens of thousands of dollars. One, one of them was like, I'd like to do your programs, but I bought my, my, my boyfriend needed tires. So I bought him tires. Wow. The reason why you can't is the reason why you must. 
how'd you get yourself in the position where you're dating somebody and taking on his expenses without an emotional investment? That's why we need to rewire. So let me know. Send me a DM. Give me your backstory. Then I'll send you a link. And uh, there are special promo codes coming up right away if you're ready to jump in. And um, this is for you if you're serious, if that fits your description and you're ready to stop asking questions like, will the sex keep me and realize that the question itself is the problem? And the real question is, how do I get to a place where I'm no longer objectifying the opposite sex? I'm not object objectifying my penis. I'm not objectifying my vagina to get my needs met so that I can have a real secure relationship and then learn how to have great sex within a secure relationship. That's the next level of challenge because it's easy to have great sex when you're eroticized wounds, when there's primal panic and abandonment anxiety. That's what fuels the intensity. That's why the affairs are so exciting because within the container of a safe relationship, it's like, eh, there's no abandonment anxiety. It's not, it's not, doesn't give me that primal panic. That is the next level and it's all within your wiring and it's all 100% possible to those who are willing to untangle from their trauma bonds. Let me know if that sounds like you. Send me a DM and I'd love to, to continue the conversation and we'll see you. Let me know what came up for you in this conversation and we'll see you at the next perfect time.